Well, thank you for being here. This is, uh, we do a weekly service on Saturday, and so it's kind of interesting to celebrate Easter on a Saturday. Uh, But that's not the only way we're going to celebrate Easter here at Cornerstone. You can actually come back tomorrow morning uh, to Edwards Beach in Westford. You can find more info about that in the bulletin uh, because it's always wonderful to kind of worship God on a Sunday morning um, because that is when Jesus rose. So today we're starting a new series. It's called How to Rest. Sabbath and simplicity. So a sermon series is just a couple weeks in a row, in this case five weeks in a row, where we talk about the same topic. So for the next five weeks, we're going to be going through the book of Genesis. We're going to go through Genesis, and then we're going to be in Exodus, and then Mark, and Hebrews, and then Revelation, and we're going to be talking about how to rest. So I invite you to come back and to learn more about that. Now there is a recommended book uh, that you can order for yourself. It's called The Rest of God, Restoring Your Soul by Restoring Sabbath. This is Mark Buchanan. I, I recommend it. It's a great way to kind of think about it, read about it, learn more on your own. Is there anyone who has a birthday today? You can just raise your hand. All right, this is for you. This is a gift. I'll get that to you after the service. Sure. Why not? <laughs> Happy birthday. Good, good day to have a birthday. All right, let me pray, and then we'll begin. Father God, thank you for this opportunity to talk about your word, the Bible. We, we love you, God, and we want to know you better, and so we want to read the Bible, and we want to understand it. We know that you give us the Holy Spirit to help us understand the Bible, to help us understand the message. God, I ask that the Holy Spirit, that your Holy Spirit would fill this room, that you would fill each of our hearts, and that you would open our ears and open our minds so that we can understand your words to us this day. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. So what's the first thing that pops into your head when I say weekend? Maybe you think Yeah, maybe there's a cheer. Yes, it's the weekend. Maybe you think Saturday, Sunday, all the fun things you're going to do. Uh, Maybe you think of like uh, going to the pool or going to the beach or just spending time with family. Maybe go and watch a movie or just rest on your couch, go for a nice walk. Maybe if you're like me, you kind of think of some of the chores that you need to get done uh, when you're not at work. So it's like you just go from working here to working there. You think of uh, balancing your checkbook, going through your emails, getting groceries, uh, doing the laundry, homework, uh, house improvement work, all sorts of different things. Now today, we are in one sense talking about the weekend, but we're talking specifically about Sabbath. So maybe you don't know what the Sabbath is. In the Old Testament, God gave the nation of Israel a special day each week called Saturday, which was their Sabbath. Uh, So then it was called the Sabbath, and it was a day of rest and worshiping God. And God gave this specifically to the nation of Israel as a special day for them. Now, more recently, uh, in today's culture, we kind of celebrate a day of rest on Sunday. We do that because of tomorrow morning, because of Easter morning, because Jesus rose on a Sunday morning. 
Now, what I want you to think about when I say Sabbath, so I'm just defining Sabbath for you here, and we're going to get into it a lot more over the course of the series, so the, the definition will become deeper each week, hopefully. But what I want you to think about when you think of a day of Sabbath, just a day of rest, one day in seven that is set apart for the worship of God, for uh, personal, uh, maybe corporate worship of God, uh, for playing and for rest and relaxation. Uh, so that's what I want you to think about when I say Sabbath. Now, I have a confession to make. I have never been very good at taking a day off, at taking a day of rest and relaxation. I have never been good at taking all that time to, wor- uh, to rest, to, to worship, and to play. Uh, have you ever tried to get into a hammock? Uh, hammocks look incredibly comfortable. They look nice, uh, but they're really kind of hard to get into. That's how I feel about the Sabbath. That's how I feel about trying to rest on the weekend. But it's important because we as people need times of rest. And so we need to understand what God intends for us in this special day. So I'm going to read back through the passage. Thank you, Rebecca, for reading. And we're going to begin to understand a few points about Sabbath. The first one is that finding rest begins with understanding how great our God is. Verse 1 says this. It says, Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. This, talks, this tells us that all of creation, the heavens, the earth, it displays God's power. Now, the first chapter of the book of Genesis, really the first chapter of the Bible, says uh, in Genesis 1 verse 1, it says, God created the heavens and the earth. And God did that just by speaking. So God created everything out of nothing, Think about that for a moment. Have you ever tried to create something out of nothing? Maybe when you were a kid, you would try to speak something into existence. I did that. It's kind of weird, Uh, but it never worked. But for God, it does work. When God speaks, things do come into existence. Now, uh, the author of Genesis was a man named Moses. He was a prophet. He was a, a leader of the nation of Israel. And he wrote a a kind of a creation account for us to read and study. This is Genesis chapter 1. And this this creation account is in a seven-day format. So I'm going to kind of go over these seven days in the creation account with you briefly. But if you want to learn more about Genesis and the creation account and just the story of the Bible, come back also in May. We're going to have a new series uh, in May that where we go through the book of Genesis, and that's going to take us through the summer. So today we're not going to get into it as much, but here's a little bit. So on the first day, Genesis chapter 1, God calls light into being, and he separates it from the darkness. So that's day one. Day two, God separates the sky and the waters below. So the, kind of the heaven above and the, and the waters beneath. Day three, the third day, God brings forth dry land and vegetation. I hope some of this is sounding familiar to you if you've ever read Genesis chapter 1. Day four, God creates the sun, the moon, the stars. He calls it the luminaries, those lights in the sky. Day five, God creates the fish and the birds. And then day six, God creates the dry land, the land animals, uh, and the dry land animals and people. So he creates human, men, and women. Now, uh, this account 
Uh, as we're going to get into it later in May, we'll learn a lot about this. But this account specifically for our purposes today is to remind us of how powerful our God is. That he speaks and the creation comes into existence. The creation account is to, is to show us the absolute authority of God, of the God of the Bible. And our verse, verse 1, chapter 2, also hints at this a little bit more in a special way. So notice the phrase, their vast array. So as the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. Now, what does that mean? Uh, if you were to look at the original language, so the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, uh, this is actually the word hosts. Hosts, so not like your dinner host, but like your military host. So uh, like a, a military army or uh, just a great horde of soldiers, hosts. Uh, and Genesis 2 verse 1 is actually translated better by the NASB or the ESV. You can see it on the screen. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. So it's kind of giving this military term to the heavens, to the earth, to the stars, to the luminaries, the sun, the moon, saying all these are under God's authority. All these things are under God's command. Now this slide, it shows the top five largest armies in the world. So maybe you've Googled this at some point. Uh, the, the military with the, the most soldiers, and it is China. We have China at 2,285,000 soldiers. We have the USA at 1,361,755 soldiers. We have India, 1,325,450 soldiers. We have North Korea also with a lot of soldiers, 1.19 million. And then we have Russia at 766,000. And I know we do have a rep Russian representation in the audience, and I did see accounts that Russia actually had a larger army, uh, over a million, so... Uh, <laughs> Don't be annoyed. <laughs> kind of the concept is that the, the nations that have the largest military, that have the most powerful military, can sleep easiest at night. That we are the most secure people because we have the best army, because we have the best military. You're going to hear a lot more about this since it's election year. Now, those are all pretty big armies, but I want to show you a picture of God's armies, all right? So this is a picture of the Milky Way. And if you don't have good eyesight, I'm sorry. Uh, but this is a picture of a galaxy. You know how many stars we've, we think are in the known universe? Uh, well, apparently there is 10 billion observable galaxies in our universe each one of those galaxies has roughly 100 billion stars. And so if you were to add all of that together, that means the size of our God's army is 1 billion trillion stars. See, our king has the largest army. And if you look back in the Old Testament, uh, kind of the, uh, the symbolism of a powerful army was described by having chariots and horsemen. 
And you can look in kind of ancient inscriptions and see this as well. If you had many chariots, it was like having many tanks, many warships, many war planes. I want to show you another picture, and this is of deep space. This is part of the NASA Frontiers program. Now, this, this is four galaxies uh, together, and it is a picture of the charioteer. That is what NASA has uh, dubbed this picture. Isn't this cool? See, our God has chariots, but they're made out of galaxies. Apparently, these gas plumes in these galaxies uh, reach uh, a million degrees. We have a big God, the God who created the heavens and the earth, who isn't held back by man, who we can rest in because we know that he is all-powerful. Everything is under our God's domain. You can find rest in the God of the Bible. Now, you would think that since God created everything to show his power, that none of it would need rest. Our God is all-powerful. He doesn't need to sleep. Why would any of creation need to sleep? Well, the truth is God created everything to need rest. Now, our passage, Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, this comes before the fall of humanity. So in Genesis chapter 1, we have the creation. Genesis chapter 2, we have uh, kind of another look at creation through Adam and Eve. And then Genesis chapter 3, we have what's known as the fall. And this is where all human beings through Adam and Eve started sinning. And we're going to learn a little bit more about that later. But our passage comes before that. And that means God created the heavens, the earth, everything, so that kind of is everything in the known universe, to need rest. This was before sin. So taking a nap, having to sleep at night, is not a result of sin. You need that. That's the way God made you. So that there's some simple applications from these two kind of points about God's greatness. Application number one is that pride is the heart of unrest. That when we think about ourselves as God, that we can kind of be the lords of our own universe, kind of the lords of our own destiny, that we are just as powerful as God, that's when you're going to get exhausted. That's when you're going to get tired because you have too big a view of yourself. That below God, we're, we're really quite small. And application number two is that when we don't rest... So when we don't take time to, to, to rest and, and put our hope in God anew every week, we live unnaturally. We live not the way God intends. See, God intends for us to take a time of rest. So then when we do take the time to rest, in one sense, we're recapturing a little bit of Eden. We're, we're recapturing the plan as God originally wrote it for us and for our bodies or who he created us to be. He created us to rest. Now, in 2010, several years ago, I moved from Virginia to Hamilton, Massachusetts. So that's up near Salem, uh, Beverly. And I went there to Hamilton to Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. So a seminary is a kind of Bible school, religious school, where people like me go if they want to become a pastor of a church, if they want to become uh, a teacher. 
And you would think that since I wanted to become a pastor, that I would understand this concept, that I would understand the importance of a day of rest. But I didn't. For the first two years, I really didn't take a single day off. I would do homework constantly, all the time, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. I was always busy, and I would joke. I'd say, oh, I'm going to uh, rest when seminary is over. Well, seminary is a three-year program. That's a long time to not really take a break. And I was so stressed out and so uh, wound up that eventually my body just said, all right, enough. And it took another two years to kind of heal from that. See, when we don't take time to rest, when we don't respect God in the way that he made creation for a weekly rest, it's going to cause harm to our bodies. It's going to cause harm to who we are, and it'll probably result in a, a longer loss of time than if we would just take the time to rest every single week. I had to humble myself, and maybe you have to humble yourself too, and come before God and say, God, I'm not God. I do need to sleep. I need to rest. Finding rest begins with understanding God's greatness. But God is not just powerful. He's also very loving. And a day of rest, a Sabbath day in our schedules, expresses that love for us. See, God gives us a day of rest, a day to rest as a gift. Verse 2 says this. It says, by the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God gives us a day to rest. Now, this Hebrew word to rest also means to cease or to stop. And it's the Hebrew word Shabbat. Now, Shabbat is the root of Sabbath. So we don't see Sabbath until Exodus. But if, if you want to kind of look at where the first appearance of this, this word uh, started, you can look in Genesis chapter 2. See, to Shabbat is to keep Sabbath rest, to keep a day holy to God. Already here, God is setting apart a special day for people. And this, this invitation extends to everyone. Everyone is called to rest, whether you believe uh, in Christ or something else. Now, the seventh day for God, you know, if you look at Genesis chapter 1, you look at each day, it says the, mor- uh, the evening and the morning. But we don't see that same pattern for this day because the seventh day is an eternal day. It hasn't ended. God is still at rest. He has created and he has stepped back. And so right now God is resting. That doesn't mean that God has walked away from creation and said, I don't care about you anymore. That's not it at all. God is still sustaining and nurturing all of creation. But one of the ways he does that is by inviting all of creation, heaven and earth, all people to come and to join him, to come and know God's rest. Now, the prophet Moses, he wrote Genesis, and he wrote Genesis in such a way as to reveal that God, wrote, uh, that God created the Sabbath into how things work. So God created a day of rest, and that's how things work for you and for me. He gives us this as a gift. 
Now, if, if you look at the different calendars, uh, so currently we're on the Gregorian calendar. Gregorian calendar was created in 1582, and it's based on uh, lunar circulation, uh, kind of the, the planets going around the sun. And the Gregorian calendar was a refinement of the Julian calendar. The Julian calendar was created by Julius Caesar in 46 B.C., And that was a refinement of the Roman calendar, which was then a refinement of the Greek lunar calendar. So our calendar, our yearly calendar, our monthly calendar, is based on the stars, the heavens, the sky. But our weekly calendar is not based on any of those things. See, our weekly calendar doesn't come from the circulation of the planets or the, the rotation. It comes from God himself. If you want to get rid of religion, if you want to get rid of Christianity, get rid of a seven-day weekly uh, time of rest. Because it's there, it's given to us by God as a reminder that we need to stop and to focus on him. The weeks are shaped by God. Now, I believe as we're going to get into this series that, we, that, that, that God gives us freedom when choosing a day of rest. That there are things that we should do, like worshiping him, uh, perhaps serving him, playing, relaxing. Uh, But I do think there is some freedom, and we at Cornerstone practice that. So it could be Saturday, it could be Sunday. Maybe you have to work on the weekend. Well, then I would encourage you to set aside a different day during the week to rest and to focus on God. Uh, But the the Jewish Sabbath did start on a Friday evening and went till I think it was sundown on Saturday. So one way, if you want to view... If you want to view the weekend as a time to rest, view Cornerstone. This service right here is a 5 p.m. kind of kickoff to your day of rest. Come and worship God with us. I invite you back if it's your first time uh, and and begin to uh, praise God as a group, as as a gathering on Saturday afternoons. And then go home and spend Sunday resting. Don't pile a lot of like committee meetings or uh, church activities in, just take that time to rest and to focus on God and to enjoy your family. God gives us a day of rest as a gift. Are you receiving that gift? A gift is something we don't deserve, but it's freely given. God is freely giving this to us. Now, how is God able to do this? I always feel busy. Well, God reminds us in his text how he did this. So if we look at verses 1 through 3, we see sort of poetry here. Poetry includes like repetition uh, rhyme. And our, our passage repeats the idea of completion and rest. So it says, God completes the heavens and the earth in verse 1. And then verse 2 talks about God finishing his work. Well, that's the same word for complete. So God completes his work. And then verse 2 again says God rests from his work. And then verse 3 says God rests from creating. He finished the heavens and the earth. So our conclusion that we can draw from this is that completion of work should lead to rest from work. So completion of work should lead to rest of work. They're, They're tied together. We shouldn't always be working. If God rests when he finishes his work, that means you and I can rest as well. There's two kind of simple applications to our lives from this. Number one, you should finish your work so that you can rest. 
So if you know that you have uh, a lot of projects, you have a lot of homework, you have maybe your job is extra demanding, if it's possible, get all of that done before your day of rest. Don't procrastinate so that you're having to do it on that day that you've set aside. So if you have a lot of homework due on Monday, get it done Friday or Saturday. If you have a job that it's extra demanding, try to push it in into Saturday to get it done so that you can take a day of rest. And application number two is if you haven't finished your work yet, you still need to take a day of rest. So uh, if, you, uh, if you procrastinate and you don't get things done, you don't get all your projects done, that's negative, right? But if you then continue to do all those projects on a day that God has said, I want you to rest, that's a second negative, <laughs> So we don't want to take one negative and turn it into a second negative. Instead, we want to take a negative and turn it into a positive. And how we can do that is by saying, all right, I didn't get all my stuff done. But instead of doing more work to try to catch up, I'm just going to say, you know what, God, this is in your hands. I'm going to take an entire day to rest and to trust God. That becomes a positive. God finished his work so that we can finish ours. Now, I had a friend in seminary uh, who, I'm talking a lot about seminary tonight. Uh, It just seemed appropriate for some reason. And when he started seminary, he started it much different than me. He started it the right way. He he told me that he wasn't going to work on Sundays, that he was going to try to get all of his homework done so that on Sundays he could just take the day off. He would still go to church, serve at the church, do that sort of thing. But then he would not go home and kind of pour himself into homework. And then I believe he also said that, you know, if he still didn't get enough done, he would wake up early Monday morning and get it done then. I really respected that. Now, I don't know how well he did, but I do know some, uh, some, some things about his life. I do know that he graduated seminary the same year that I graduated seminary. I know that he got married. I know this because my wife and I set him up with his wife on a blind date, and it worked. Uh, I know that he has twins now. I know that good things still happened to him, that life didn't end because he took a day to rest. Life won't end for you, especially if you're obeying God and doing it the way God intends, to take your feet up to take, take some time and rest and relax. God finished his work so we can finish ours. Now, I do believe that uh, false gods, now Aaron talked a lot about false gods tonight, and I appreciate that, Aaron, but I believe that false gods tell us not to rest and to always be striving, always be working. Now, there are other ancient cultures that had their own creation stories, and one of those was the Babylonians, the, the kind of the Mesopotamian culture. And they have what is known as the Enuma Elish. So the Enuma Elish. It's kind of an interesting title for a creation story. And in their story, the gods created people, created them out of blood. And we're going to read it here in a second. But they created people so that people could do the work. And so that the gods could kick up their heels and relax. Here's a passage From the Enuma Elish. It says, Out of his blood they fashioned mankind. He imposed on him the service and let free the gods. After Ea, the wise, had created mankind, had imposed upon them the service 
of the gods. So the Babylonians were taught that the gods just wanted to use them to do their busy work, to serve them. Aren't you grateful for our God, for the God of Genesis, the God of the Bible, that he creates us and invites us to rest with him, to enjoy creation, to work, but then to enjoy what he has created with him. When you overwork yourself and when you don't rest and when you never take a break, I actually think that you are in action worshiping false gods. That we, especially those of us who are Christians, can do this unintentionally. See, our God wants us to worship him through times of rest. The world, the culture, other religions say no. Work, 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 overwork. God is honored by hard work, but not by constant work. And this message is still given to us today. Here's a quote from Bill Gates. He says, I never took a day off in my 20s, not one, and I'm still fanatical, but now I'm a little less fanatical. Bill Gates, you know, never took a day off, and he achieved everything. He's the second richest man in the world. He's a billionaire. He's successful. He has it all. That's the message that the culture gives to us. That if you never stop, well, you won't achieve your dreams. You won't have enough money. Your family won't be safe. These are lies. Our God who created everything gives a different message. The truth is that you can stop, that you can rest, that I can stop, that I can rest, and it'll be okay. When we overwork, we worship things like success, money. I don't want to be fanatical about any of those things. I want to be fanatical about God. God invites us to come and find our rest in him. He wants us to worship him, and he invites us into that rest. We're going to be learning about that all through this series. Now, the, the passage, verse 3, I'm going to read it. And notice how it says God blessed something. It says, then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So what does it mean for God to bless a day? Well, in order to to see this, we really need to look at an earlier use of this word, bless. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, this is when God has created people. It said, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. So here God is blessing people and he's kind of giving them a divine mandate, male and female. Go out and multiply, have children, fill the world and rule over it, kind of be kings and queens, subdue the creation. So for Adam and Eve, this was God's call to them, to kind of create the human race. But in order to do that, they needed to rest. See, for God to bless the seventh day is saying, something about this day is special. I've set it apart, and in order for you to be a blessing, you need to partake of this blessing, So if you want to succeed, if you want to uh, achieve your goals, if you want to obey God, to multiply, to to rule over the earth, the, the, the earth, the kingdoms that God has given you in your life, you also need a weekly time of rest. That's kind of counter uh, counterintuitive. The message that we're given is that if you want to achieve, you want to succeed, you have to keep working, working, working. The message that we're given here is if you want to excel. 
If you want to be productive, if you want to be fruitful as God intends, you need to take a weekly rest. Now, when I was in seminary, last seminary story, uh, one of my professors, so I talked about myself, fellow student, and now one of my professors, his name was Dr. Gary Parrott. And he told us about the time that he attended a Christian conference. So this conference was for pastors, for teachers, for kind of Christian educators, uh, if you will. And at this conference, they had their, their uh, first uh, Jewish speaker, speaker. His name was Michael Medved. And he was a, is a film critic. And he was giving the talk. And at this conference, uh, one of the, the Christian pastors asked him a question. He said, how is it? that you can watch so many movies that are filled with garbage, profanity, violence, all these awful things, and stay sane if you're watching movies all the time. And his answer was threefold. First, he said, one, I, have, I watch 26 hours of movies every week. The average American watches 27 hours of television every week. So I actually beat the average. Number two, he says, I'm married to a psychotherapist. (laughs) And number three, he said, today is Friday morning. After I get done talking at this conference, I'm going to get on a plane, and I'm going to fly home to Seattle, and I'm going to make it home in time to welcome in the Sabbath with my family. See, I stay sane. I keep my sanity because I keep my Sabbath. He put a lot of Christian pastors to shame that day at that conference. God invites us. He's inviting you. He's inviting me. He's saying, come. Come and join join me in my rest. Come and find your rest in me. But there's a reason that you and I, that we have such a hard time resting. There's a reason that we are kind of wrestling with our pride and always wanting to do things, always wanting to do one more thing so that we can feel secure. The reason is sin. See, sin is disobedience to God. Sin is missing the mark, not being perfect, not doing life God's way. That is what sin is. See, through Adam and Eve in the garden, when they sinned, we lost our ability to rest. We lost our ability to find true rest every single week. See, God had made creation. He had made heavens. He had made the heavens, the stars, the earth as, as kind of a temple where God wanted to dwell with people like you and me to rest forever with us. But we said, God, we don't want it that way. See, Adam and Eve, they were tempted in the garden, the garden by the serpent, by Satan, and they, they ate of the fruit. And to us, that doesn't seem like a big deal. But ultimately, when they took a bite of the fruit, they were saying, God, I don't trust you. I don't want to do life your way. Because God had said to them, don't eat of this one fruit from this one tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And so when they ate, they said, no, God, I'm going to do it my way. <laughs> it turns out that my way is the harder way. My way is the way where I can never relax, that I can never take a a downbeat, where I can never truly find peace. God intended for us to enjoy a pattern of work and rest in the garden, but we rebelled. We sinned against God. And the consequences of this sin is being banished from the garden. 
If you look for God and for work, you see that in this passage where God has finished his work. But in Genesis chapter 3, when God sends Adam and Eve out from paradise, it says that they go and they are to work. See, they're working without God's divine rest. And so suddenly their toil has become hard and, 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 and full of sin and, and challenging, and it no longer brings joy as God originally intended, intended it. But there's hope. There's hope because in Genesis, God also talks about a coming Savior, that, uh, that a, one of Eve's descendants uh, would be bitten by Satan in his heel, but then he would crush Satan And that man came about as Jesus Christ. See, we find rest in God through Jesus Christ. God has made possible true spiritual rest through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, Jesus did it right. All throughout his life, he maintained the perfect balance of work and rest. It says that Jesus was a carpenter. But even though he was a carpenter, he still honored the Sabbath as God intended it. And we're going to talk about Jesus' view of the Sabbath in a couple weeks. But he worked hard in another way. See, his ultimate task was to carry your sin and my sin, our disobedience, our overwork, the consequences of that Jesus carried to the cross where he paid the penalty for our sin. And he died. Jesus had to die because of our constant unrest, because of our constant sin. But thank God we're celebrating Easter. Sunday morning, he rose. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated restlessness. He defeated overwork. He defeated anxiety. He defeated anxiousness. He defeated hopelessness. Now, you no longer need to feel exhausted or tired. Spiritually, because Christ is risen and Christ extends forgiveness and wholeness to you. If you believe in Jesus, you're saved. And God knows you. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 is kind of our invitation. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says this. It says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is Jesus' invitation to you and to me. If you don't know him, I invite you to come talk to me after the service, and I would love to introduce Jesus Christ to you. Because his message is this. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Rest. God invites us to come and to find our rest in him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this message. Thank you for the challenge to rest. Would we find our rest in you? I lift up the offering. Would you bless it? Would we use it wisely? In Jesus' name, amen.